0: Are you ready? Welcome everybody to Wrestling with the War! All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Wrestling With The War. I am your host for this week, BC Hunter, riding solo. As my usual partner in crime, the Nightmare Jay Myers is a little tied up uh, this week on a a secret assignment, Uh, got some things that he's dealing with in his personal life, and it's just a busy time of year, so um, I'm going to be handling the duties on this week's show on my own, so hopefully you don't get sick of my voice throughout this episode. I'm kind of sad for Jay because he's missing out on one heck of an episode. Uh, We're going to be covering this week the infamous Halloween Havoc 1995. And if you're not familiar as to why this is infamous, you soon will be. And you'll soon understand why I'm thoroughly disappointed that Jay is not going to get to give his commentary in this episode about what has gone on uh, but that's OK. We'll uh, probably uh, in the next later episodes, we might go back and revisit just maybe his quick thoughts on this <laughs> on this pay-per-view, because it's uh, it's a pretty memorable one for multiple reasons. But uh, before we get into things, of course, we're going to be covering the Halloween Havoc pay-per-view and we'll also cover the follow up show uh, on for Nitro from October 30th, as well as raw from october 30th so and that'll finish off the month of october and then next episode we'll start getting into november hopefully you folks are uh that have been listening along are really enjoying this uh this journey so far i know we have been it's uh, a little jump in the time machine into the wrestling delorean and uh going back in time to 1995 uh enjoying um the the, the beginning stages of this infamous wrestling war uh the monday night war and uh, of course, um, it's fun to w- come back, watch it from fresh eyes and and see, it. did everything hold up as we expected? So what I'd like to know is if you are doing the same thing as we are and, and joining along and watching some of these episodes, what are your thoughts? If, if you're watching it back in 1995, comparing it today, is it the same? Does it hold up? Is it better? I don't know. You let us know, but uh, some stuff for sure is... Uh, Definitely a lot worse than we thought it was, and some stuff is not as bad as we thought it was. But overall, it's an interesting journey. So before we get into things, uh, I just want to mention a shout-out to a few uh, different podcasts uh, because uh, I guess I've been a busy guy over the last little while. (laughs) First of all, I wanted to give a big thanks once again to Kyle and RN from the Smack Rob podcast for joining us for yet another fantastic live stream over on our Wrestling With The Truth YouTube channel. These guys always bring it. Every time they come on, no holds barred, no topic is off limits, and uh, just, a, just a fun time. I really enjoy when they come on. So if you haven't had a chance to uh, to hear it, why don't you head on over to our YouTube channel that's Wrestling With The Truth over at YouTube. Check it out, leave some comments, and uh, also go on over to the Smacked Rob podcast and support them. They're on both Twitch and YouTube as far as the video side, and then of course on any uh, podcast audio platform that you want to check out. Also, if you're hearing this on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, on Wednesday, February 15th, the Apron Bump podcast will be dropping. And I uh, I joined pretty Kyle from the Apron Bump, and we discussed Armageddon 2002. And again, had a great time doing so. I lucked out. There was a number of uh, different topics to discuss, and I think I got a pretty good one with this pay-per-view. I mean, this is peak WWE. You know, you're talking just loaded to the gills on the roster. Uh, and it just, uh, it was a fun pay-per-view to review. And it's amazing just to see the amount of star power that they had at that point. So head on over to the apron bump podcast. They, uh, he's on audio platforms as well as on YouTube, join them all, support them, let them know, uh, how much you enjoy the show. Cause he does a fantastic job and he's delving into the same idea as us going into some of that, that nineties, uh, wrestling era and early two thousands. And, uh, just seeing if it, if it holds up as well. And finally, on Thursday, February 16th, I will be joining the Bammer Chatter Wrestling Podcast, which is hosted by our good buddy, Bama Dave, who's uh, appeared on our November to Remember. And uh, I'm going to be joining fellow Canadians, Mr. Warren Hayes and Andy the Taxman from Grappling with Canada, as we're going to be talking this or that. As you know or may not know, uh, Bammer does a great job of having some themed episodes on his channel. So, it's again, it's both Twitch and YouTube. And uh, some of the different topics I've participated in uh, Wheel of uh, Wrestling before, and oh, that pretty Kyle—he just beat me at the very end in sudden death and uh, in a, an epic matchup. It was—it was like Austin and uh, and Brett from uh, WrestleMania 13, but unfortunately, I I passed out to the sharpshooter at the very end. But uh, I'm back to try to reclaim a prize here on this or that. If you want to head over and join us live on either Twitch or YouTube, it is going to be 9 p.m. Eastern. That is on Thursday, February 16th, and it should be a fun show. All right. Well, that's the shout outs as far as uh, what I've been doing lately as far as appearing on some other podcasts. Well, let's talk about our show now. And boy, oh boy, do we ever have a great episode here. Or maybe it's a stinker, depending on how you think of this pay-per-view. So we're going to be talking about Halloween Havoc 1995. The event took place on uh, October 29th. I know leading up to it, we've been focusing a lot on the uh, Hulk Hogan's never-ending battle with the Dungeon of Doom. Of course, uh, the Dungeon of Doom's new lethal weapon that came into play was the Giant, uh, better known today as Paul White, or the Big Show, if you're not familiar with him from his AEW work. We also had uh, Macho Man Savage and Lex Luger with a little bit of... uh, Whose side are you on, type of animosity? Of course, we have Ric Flair, who just in something we never thought we'd see. He's uh he's fighting Arn Anderson, and now we got a tag team match with him and uh Brian uh Flair and Sting, uh with uh, a match against Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson, and uh, uh we'll have to see. Does Ric Flair stay true to the dirtiest player in the game, and perhaps turn on Sting, or did he stay true to the friendship? We'll find out in that, and then a host of other different matches that's for sure but uh let's go into let's start off with uh, how we got things going and right off the get-go we get a kind of a hilarious start as we have um i'm not sure if you're familiar but uh, part of this whole show was built around not only the world title match between the giant and hulk hogan for the wcw world heavyweight title but we also had the battle of the monster trucks and uh <laughs> The uh, way we start off the pay per view is is the giant in his monster truck and Hulk Hogan in his monster truck uh, jockeying for position on the roof of Cobo Hall in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Um, so this isn't actually the monster truck battle. This is just a little precursor where they're basically free balling and just um, trying to push each other around uh, uh, in you know massive vehicles that that uh, have extreme power that could on the on the roof of a, a, a wet building because it has been raining all day there so seems safe I, I can't see anything else uh, bad happening aside from just a, some friendly monster truck battling but we'll stay tuned for that because they've got the monster sumo truck battle coming up and I'll try to wrap my head around the rules and that in that a little bit later on but we're going to start off the pay-per-view with uh, Johnny B. Badd versus Diamond Dallas Page for the WCW World TV title. And as you remember from one of our previous episodes, Diamond Dallas Day- Page had uh, won the title from the Renegade in a previous pay-per-view. And this is one of his earlier title defenses. Um, Johnny B. Badd himself had, um, had just... Uh, Just over on File Brawl, won a fantastic match against Brian Pillman, and he was supposed to go for the U.S. title against Sting. And uh, because we're not watching WCW Saturday night, we weren't sure what was going on with that. But I guess I'll I'll give them credit. They did a great job and and throughout the night building these matches with uh, video packages to to let us know what the story is. And on this one, they had done a very old-school angle here, and it's a very simple one, but it's effective where Johnny B. Babb was scheduled for his uh, U.S. title opportunity, but uh, shows up late to the arena and misses his match. And, of course, he comes in covered in grease, and apparently he had a flat tire, as he mentioned to uh, Mean Gene. And, of course, Diamond Dallas Page comes out to make fun of him for losing this opportunity, uh, being an idiot. And Diamond Dallas Page is, I don't know what you want to call him, his bodyguard, his lackey, whatever, but... um, Max Muscle decides to step up and mention, ah, that's some bad luck for old Johnny having four flat tires, to which Johnny B. Bad says, four flat tires? I said one flat tire, and proceeds to flatten Mr. Muscle with a hmm, somewhat weak left hook, but uh, we won't worry about that. But, of course, this is an angle that's been used many times. One of the more memorable times that was used was back in Mid-South Wrestling when it was Paul Orndorff was the victim of the flat tire situation thanks to Bob Roop. And he missed his chance at the, uh, at the Mid-South North American heavyweight title. And uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a great angle, very simple, but it works. And it's a good way to get a heel over and, and, but still save the baby face from looking too bad. So we get into the match and um, you know what? It's, it's actually a pretty decent match. As I, as myself and Jay have mentioned uh, Dallas Page is like a heat magnet at this time. I mean, the fans are just just all over him. As far as everything, he's got Max Muscle with him. He's got Kimberly, who is at, up to this point was the Diamond Doll, but she's finally got a name. And of course, she seems like she's very hesitant to be with Diamond Dallas Page. He's basically coming off as the abusive uh, husband or boyfriend or something like that. So yeah, this guy's got a lot of heat. um Johnny B. Bad smarts him right from the beginning. He has a uh, he looks like he's coming out onto the, uh, the ramp to start off the match and he won't come down to the ring. He's got his back turned and his robe and they're trying to figure out what's going on. All of a sudden, Johnny B bad comes over the guardrail, jumps DDP, uh, from behind to kickstart the match, a uh, little tidbit. That was not Johnny B bad, of course, up on the ramp, uh, portraying himself, but it was actually Joey Maggs, a, um, a well-known, if you want to call him enhancement, talent in WCW, who is, uh, who was used to, to fool, diamond Dallas page, but uh, throughout the match, uh, pretty decent back and forth. Johnny had a chance uh, to, to do a, a power bomb and almost lost control of DDP. And then that's a big guy that you've got up there for the power bomb. So that could have turned bad if he had a completely lost control, but he saved it at the end, a great move by DDP, but which he called the diamond dream, which was a reversal of a hip toss into a DDT, which uh, try to say that 10 times fast DDP and DDT, but uh, he managed to, to to do this very smoothly. I thought he was actually going to reverse it into a diamond cutter, which he's been known to, to do from time to time. But this is pretty cool. And then finally at the end, we have Max Muscle, who, God, I got to say, man, he was pretty brutal in this match. I mean, just over, overacting as far as everything. And then when any moves came up where he had to interfere, he was very soft with his, with how he's doing things. You could tell he didn't want to hurt anybody. Uh, He wasn't probably too well-trained at this point, but he ends up hitting just a very bad uh, clothesline on DDP, who sold the hell of it, by the way. He did a fantastic job of making it look like he got his head taken off, which then leaves Johnny B. Bad to take the advantage. He gets the pin, wins the TV title, and I got to say the crowd popped hard for Johnny B. Bad. The Detroit crowd was into this match, and they were into Johnny B. Bad as champion. so... That was fantastic, and there was a little foreshadowing for things to come, because uh, throughout the match, as DDP used to get Kimberly to to put up uh, ten signs for certain moves that he did, Johnny asked for that from Kimberly at one point, and she did throw up the ten for Johnny B. Bad after one of his moves, and uh, at the end of the match, she looked pretty happy that old Mister Bad won the uh, won the TV title. So I'm sure we're going to have some more stuff coming from that. Next up, we had the Zodiac uh, against Macho Man Randy Savage. Now, originally it was supposed to be Kamala facing Randy Savage, but for some reason Kamala was a no-show at this point. So uh, I don't know what happened there, but judging by the fact that they kind of buried Kamala a bit and talked about how he chickened out and uh, didn't want to face Savage, I get the feeling that it was um, not on good terms that that he left the WCW at that point. So we had the Zodiac, as you know. Brutus Beefcake in disguise, <laughs> uh, facing Macho Man Randy Savage. What the point of this was that, um, Savage was going to have a one on one match with a Dungeon of Doom member, and Lex Luger is going to have a one on one match with a Dungeon of Doom member. And if they both won their matches, they would face each other later in the night. So we had, uh, Savage against, um, against the Zodiac, and to be quite honest, um, The only notable things about this match were two things that happened that didn't involve those two guys. First of all, Randy Savage uh, at the beginning, when he's coming down the aisle, just greets this random chick who I don't know if she was part of WCW, if she was supposed to be there, if she was a new manager for him. What it was, but he's uh, he just greets her and seems pretty happy about it. To be quite honest, and then she just kind of goes away. So I don't know if that was supposed to be happening or if it was just a random fan that got loose. And speaking of crazy fans getting loose, as soon as the match got underway, we had a crazy fan jump in the ring. And I got to admit, he kind of looked like Brian Kendrick. So I was wondering if Brian Kendrick might've popped in there to try to get some uh, press clippings for himself. But I don't think Brian was even in wrestling at this point, but uh, I found it interesting, uh, interesting because Savage just ignores it and keeps on wrestling. And I mean, he just gives the sideways look at what's going on tosses the uh beefcake out of the ring or zodiac sorry um uh the ring to the floor and savage and and zodiac just kind of steer away from everything that's going on in the ring meanwhile the referee is having one heck of a a tussle with them until uh security comes down they clear him out of the ring savage gets uh zodiac back in there drops the big elbow from the top rope and it's over i mean this was quick i don't even think it was supposed to go this long except for the fact that they had to stall for time while this fan was in the ring and I don't know what it is about Savage, but he's famous for having fans jump in the ring during his matches in WCW. I think it's maybe the following Halloween Havoc or later on that a fan scales the cage while he's in a cage match with Hogan. And and at uh, this time, they don't ignore the fan because they lay a beating on this fan, a pretty pretty stiff beating. Uh, I think another time when he was wrestling Kevin Nash, I think a fan jumped in the ring and Savage. Uh, he put the boots to that fan as well. So I don't know, maybe he just... For some reason, Savage attracts these crazy fans, but hey, it's probably the, the power of the macho man, if you know what I mean. But uh yeah, so one down. So we're just gotta wait to see if Luger can uh, win in his match against the fearsome meng. But uh, after that, we go backstage with Mean Jean and uh and Johnny B. Bab for a quick interview after his title win. And I mean, I gotta say, Johnny B. Bab was extremely um charismatic in this interview. And I'm wondering where the heck was that in WWF? Because one thing you can say about the wild man, Mark Merrill, there was nothing wild about him. is all sable at that point. But uh, if we had got this Johnny B-Bad in WWF, I think uh, I think it would have been a much better run for him there. But uh, I don't know what happened there. It was just interesting that we just didn't see that same charisma at that time. And, and I mean, I believe that's probably what attracted Vince McMahon to Johnny B-Bad was that whole charisma. So it's too bad he couldn't have took that same character to the WWF. All right. After that, we followed up with uh, a match between Kurosawa and a uh, Hawk of the road warriors flying solo here. Uh, pardon the pun. But uh, as uh, both myself and Jay have pointed out, we, um, we remember Kurosawa and we are still loving this guy. Cause he just comes off as a badass. I mean, uh, just, I'm, I'm really impressed with this guy and, and just wish he had uh, got maybe more of a push in WCW. I'm surprised he didn't, but um again, they did a great job of recapping the story. The reason for this match is because Kurosawa had broken uh, Hawks match in an earlier um, matchup between the two of them. I think it was a tag team match that they had. And uh, so this is now Hawk returning from this injury and looking to get revenge on Kurosawa. One thing I noticed here was um, Hawk, you know, he was uh, back in the eighties. He was known for one of the, the best physiques in professional wrestling, although he's still jacked here. He's looking a bit softer at this time. And, um, I wonder what was going on in his personal life to be quite quite honest at this time. So I know he battled some demons. uh, And so I just wasn't looking as, as in much ring shape at this point, but anyways, it didn't stop this match from being physical as hell. I mean, the two of them just beat the living hell out of each other during this match. It was quick, but I mean, they, they, they made sure they got their shots in. Um, it was a cheap ending at the end as uh, Kurosawa just, um, puts his foot on the ropes uh, to, to get the, the pin. And I mean, it was, it was weak. I gotta say we had a, uh, we had Colonel Robert Parker trying to hold on to Kurosawa's foot and, and help him out with the win. But I don't know. It just, it, it almost felt like it wasn't supposed to end that way. Hawk popped up immediately and it wasn't like he was doing a no sell the move. He was just more like, he was shocked to say what, what the heck's going on. I didn't think the map was going to end at that point, but whatever we had it, it's done three minutes i think and then, and we're done so yeah so now we're gonna go backstage once again and it's uh randy savage is, is with mean gene oakland talking about um his last match and his upcoming match i mean and i i think this this actual this interview is one that's uh quoted as mean worthy all that stuff uh because there's some great one-liners here between uh savage and uh and mean gene at one point <laughs> savage looks at at mean gene and just said your mustache is crooked <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh mean gene never to miss uh miss a beat comes right back with you <laughs> your beard is a little sideways buddy <laughs> so it was um it's just fun i think they're having some fun with each other savage is insane as usual which is what we love about him and uh really didn't tell much in the interview but it, it was good for a laugh at that time <laughs> Uh, so then we move on from there. We have Mr. JL or JL. I'm not sure. They kind of refer, him to, refer to him as both. One At one point, he introduces JL, but then Eric Bischoff calls him Mr. JL against one of our favorites. And uh, I mean that kind of sarcastically, uh, Sabu. And uh, what's interesting here is Sabu comes to the ring with the original Sheik. So that is Detroit wrestling legend original Sheik. And um, also the uncle of Sabu, who is also involved in the training of Sabu. And um, Sheik, uh, uh, he was hobbling out there at this, but he made sure he had his sword with him, which uh, was interesting because right off the get-go, Sabu does a moonsault to the outside on on, uh, JL. And uh, he also catches um, Sheik on the moonsault, rocks him with his foot, and puts him down. But man, you know, that Sheik is tough because he's right back up later on the match because... uh, We had a a back and forth between JL and Sabu. It got a little bit sloppy once again from Sabu. I mean, he almost crushed JL's face at one point uh, with a springboard leg drop from the outside. So Sabu manages to get the win. And then for some unknown reason, the Sheik uh, throws a fireball in JL's face while he's lying on the mat in the face of a man wearing a mask. So uh, I'm not sure if that was smart or if that was dumb, but uh, Either the mask is going to protect you from getting any damage or the mask is going to go up in flames, depending on what it's made from. But uh, you know, it, it was interesting, but it, it's Detroit. It's the Sheik. He had to get his gimmick in, in which he certainly did with, with the fireball situation. From there, we go to the Taskmaster's lair, and that's where we have uh, Kevin Sullivan and the master himself, uh, King Curtis Iakea. Uh, And I don't know, again, I referred to this before as Dungeon of Doom ridiculousness i mean i just just feel so out of place on the show itself i mean between everything else but yeah this is like this would have fit him well in the 1995 version of wwf we're getting but as we're seeing wcw just moving a bit away from this it's it just stands out but anyways you can see sullivan's mic pack throughout the whole thing just everything clipped to his uh to his uh gear and then the mic pack sticking in the back and just in full view and i don't have a clue what uh the king curtis said i don't know what he goes by i think he goes by the master in this but i don't have a clue what he was screaming about but anyways just craziness and from there we then see dark hogan backstage (laughs) once again with uh as we've called him stockholm syndrome jimmy Hart, because uh he's battered and bruised and taking abuse from old hulkster uh but you know what hulk was in good spirits at this point because you know of course, he's got a, you know, a sumo monster truck battle to the death on top of the arena, followed by, if he survives that, uh, a uh, world title match against the man who tried to snap his neck and kill him in, in uh, the cage of Fall Brawl. But before he does that, he's just going to do a presentation of a brand new Harley to a random fan and his fiance who happened to win this through some draw. So, um, yeah, that was interesting. And then, of course, uh, Mean Gene gets a few. Um, uh, sexual jokes in that never seem to get old for him, uh, and then yeah, and then we get the um uh, just overall frivolity of in, throughout this segment, which uh, seems fitting right after we just had the Taskmaster and King Curtis talking about how they're going to see the death of uh, of Hulk Hogan, and then of course he's got these major events coming on later on. But yeah, sure, let's let's all be uh, you know let's all play grab ass and be happy and. Uh, and talk about uh, this new Harley that this dude's going to take back to Arkansas or Alabama or wherever the heck he was from. <laughs> oh, my, oh man, 95 Hogan. It's hard to believe what, what he, uh, what he's going to be in 96. Cause this is just a brutal. All right. Now we go over to Meng versus Lex Luger. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say in the in the coin toss of who is going to have the t- harder opponent, I think Lex lost this one because you had Brutus for for Mister Macho versus Meng, the toughest man in wrestling, for Luger. But anyways, uh, right from the get go, we have um, some, we have some pretty accurate fans in the arena as far as they should be playing for the Tigers with some of the tosses they made with their garbage as they smoked uh, smoked the taskmaster in the head on the way to the ring, uh, hit him a few times. Uh, one thing i gotta say lex luger man that guy's body was ridiculous he was jacked to no tomorrow in this match i mean um he's definitely looked a little bigger than he was in wwf and as we know at the time in 94 when he's doing the lex express this is right in the middle of the steroid trial situation so i think quite a few guys might have shrunk down a little bit if you know what i mean he was always ripped to shreds and in great shape but Dude is not only ripped to shreds, but he is packed on muscle like crazy, and he looks fantastic. I mean, just toss that belt around his waist at that point because he he looked really good. What they played off of uh, for the majority of this match was uh, the fact that uh, Kevin Sullivan was very torn about uh, something during this match. We, they didn't really say what it was, but it just seemed like he was torn, and he didn't like the fact that Meng was beating up Luger, and he seemed to be worried about Luger so anyways this went on for quite some time the match was really long to be honest it was a little too long considering what they did at the end because how they ended it was um, Meng you know uses the illegal a golden spike to thumb Luger in the throat and then pins him and then uh, Kevin Sullivan comes in with a referee that slowly went into position to make sure that there was enough time for Sullivan to get into the ring which was kind of weird then but he uh, he ends up kicking very lightly Lex Luger on the shoulder, causing the D- DQ for his own man, Meng, and that leading to Luger facing off with Savage, which uh, if they're colluding together in this, why the hell would you go through that match like that? Why not just do that from the get-go so that Luger's nice and fresh so we can get rid of Savage? It just made zero sense. Meng didn't seem to understand what was going on. He seemed like he wasn't in on the the whole... Uh, scheme here just all of it was just very weird but um again it's it's Dungeon of Doom everything that Dun- Dungeon of Doom touches at this time seems to turn to, to crap so we'll see what happens but now let's move on to some real good storytelling at this point it's the matchup that we've been waiting for the dream team of Sting and Ric Flair against Arne Anderson and Brian Pillman uh, are they getting the four horsemen back together? Is this what Pillman and Arn are looking to do here? It seems like that's where they're going towards. Uh, we should I should have mentioned this earlier, and I forgot about this. But earlier in the evening, it was mentioned that Ric Flair got jumped backstage by uh, Arn and Pillman and was injured, and they didn't know the extent of the injury. They didn't know if he was going to actually make it out for the match. But uh, that's what the the whole the whole play up was throughout the night. It looks like Flair is not going to be able to compete because Stings com, comes out by himself to face them uh, one-on-two, on but, of course, he's holding his own very well to begin the match. There was a cool spot at one point during the match where um, Stings got Iron in a full Nelson, Iron in an attempt to, to get away from him. Of course, he can't grab the rope with his hands, so well he puts his foot on the rope, and then he kind of goes up the, the ropes with his two feet. So he's basically perpendicular to the mat, while in the full Nelson, so of course the referee puts the four count on Sting. What's he got to do? He's got to release the hold. So he does, drops burn to the mat on his back and on the back of his head, and just I don't know. I thought it was a cool spot that you you don't really see anymore. So Sting then from there finally the two on one advantage is too much. You have the beatdown, severe beatdown by Iron and 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 uh, Pillman. They're working great together as a tag team. Finally, the crowd goes nuts because here comes Rick Flair in street clothes. Uh, comes flying into the ring trying to get at iron and pillman trying to help out sting referee uh pushes him back to the apron he's out there like the world's biggest cheerleaders cheering the stinger on fired up like i mean he was awesome i gotta say he was awesome he was convincing that's for sure as far as what you know you believe that he did want to fight these guys and he wanted to be on the, the team of sting but in typical horseman fashion as sting goes for the tag flair comes in style and profile and what's he do does he go after earn nope he turns right around and kicks sting and it's on the beatdown is on the three of them just attack sting and i gotta say it's not like your typical beatdown where the the face is just that's it as soon as th- this happens you know he's he's down and oh no sting fired back up and i mean it looked real it looked like he was pissed he looked he went after flair like like no tomorrow they had to hold him back they finally were able to overcome him beat him down it was interesting that nobody came out to help sting that would have been a nice touch if somebody tried to at least even if they failed to, to get into the ring because of the three on one advantage but um we're getting into a time where it's everybody for themselves i guess at this point but uh yeah so we have um we have the horsemen back together, it looks like. And uh, it was <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's what we want, really, honestly. I mean, there's nothing better than the horsemen, and just having them back together. And this is a cool version at this point. It's only going to get better. But, you know, you have Iron Flair and Brian Pillman, and unhinged Brian Pillman at that point. So, yeah, really cool. All right. So now it was time for the monster truck sumo battle on the roof of Cobol Hall. <laughs> And, uh, you know, this was ridiculous yet fun somehow until a certain point, but I'll get to that. Um, so the rule of this is, and they made sure they had a guy like, you know, from NASCAR casting central to, to talk about the rules, but basically their two monster trucks are going to be welded together by the front bumpers. And they had a circle of, uh, construction cones that in order to, beat one in order to get the win one had to push the other out of that circle all the way both axles and of course to make it even more dangerous they had a couple of explosives set up on the uh in certain points on the roof so here we go we've got this this sumo battle and it's back and forth back and forth some dramatic camera work i mean you're seeing right inside the uh the driver seats and these guys are just working it and i mean i'm amazed at their skills at driving monster trucks because i mean i think you would need plenty of training to do that but uh, they seem to pick it up pretty quickly but uh this goes on for i don't know five minutes or something like that but it is fun to watch uh at one point the giant i believe gets a hogan to over one of the explosives and that goes off and it's all craziness and then finally the hulkster of course hulks up just when it looks like all hope was lost and pushes that giant right out of that circle so of course right away we got the hulkster celebrating the giant is not happy he comes out of that truck he's steaming he's fuming he goes over right away to to confront the hulkster about this and this is where it got a little bit (laughs) ridiculous and unfun because they start battling on the roof of kobo hall and i mean they're right on the edge they're battling and of course the giant's got a chokehold on uh on hogan with his back to the basically the they drop off the off the roof, but sure, let's do the chokehold there, of all things. Um, and uh, this goes on for about 10 seconds, and Hogan just does a simple uh, arm break of it. I don't know what you call it. He, he just lifts his arms up and breaks the chokehold, which causes the giant to go off balance. And after doing a couple of backward swimming motions, falls off the roof. <laughs> falls off the roof of, roof of Cobo Hall to his death, I guess. Apparently hogan killed him and you know of course what what happens of course police rush in and and you know arrest hogan for manslaughter or maybe you know um you hear um you hear them bring uh ambulances in or whatever but no just hogan just kind of runs away and and i guess he's going for help but they don't really talk about that he made a weak attempt at trying to uh trying to grab the uh, giant as we was falling down, which I don't know what he thought was going to happen there, how he was going to, with one hand, pull up a 400 pound giant and not just have the two of them go both tumbling down to the, either as they pointed out, either the parking lot or the Detroit river or whatever the heck was there. But uh, yeah, so we had a manslaughter and uh, that's, that's a fantastic way to uh, end a pay-per-view, but no, it actually did not end the pay-per-view. So Here's what I don't understand and um, why Bischoff doesn't get as much flack as Vince for continuing a pay-per-view after a wrestler falls from the roof. I know, I know, I know it's a bad joke. I'm sorry. And that's, I mean, no slight on Owen Hart. As I watch the WWF this period and see Owen, it really breaks my heart to see it, but come on, we gotta, we gotta give Bischoff some grief here. I mean, he just, he just had a wrestler fall to his death into the parking lot of Kobo hall. And, and, and uh, we're not even calling the show off. Actually, when we go back to, uh, to the announcers, it's Heenan and Shivani, and um, Heenan is, is playing it up, he's devastated. I mean, he just saw the uh, the son of one of his best friends hurdle to his death, if you're going with K-pame, I should say, being the son of Andre at this point. Uh, meanwhile, Shivani just seems like a dick to, at this. <laughs> I gotta say, he just he's just basically kind of making fun of Heenan and, and his over dramatics and everything. I, I, I don't know what they were going for with this angle, but it was really range but the show must go on as they say in business i guess and and that it does because we now have luger versus savage and again good matchup between the two of them um okay stuff and then jimmy hart gets involved and just that makes no sense whatsoever he just kind of seems to be wandering around he's not really picking sides or anything then he gets up on the apron lex ends up uh banging into jimmy and and savage ends up getting uh, a sneaky pin because of it but um i don't know he just it just you know what's coming you can tell what's coming but they're doing kind of a a bad job of masking it i would say at this point but uh yeah maybe they were just thrown off because a man just died i don't know maybe that's the reason why but uh we then go to the pre-match for uh for the main event which is going to be the hogan versus giant uh, big battle, but I mean, of course, giant is dead. So we can't, we can't have that main event, but again, Bobby Heaton is just distressed. He wants to get back there to find out what the hell's going on. He wants some updates. He's demanding updates. He's trying to get off of the, the stage. He doesn't want to even announce at this point. And of course, then Shivani just kind of sit there with this smirk on his face, being a douche. And um, yeah, I just, I, again, what are they going for here? But we got um, Michael buffer. Uh, once again, he's, you know, he's become a uh, i guess a uh, regular uh as far as the announcing duties uh, the ring announcing duties for these big events for WCW so he's uh he's in the ring and um it's supposed to normally be Hulk Hogan is going to be the last one to enter because he's the champion but he comes he comes to the ring first and street clothes so we know it's serious we know it's very serious he he's probably going to come in there and confess to the murder of of the Giants. so we uh know we should give all respect to this but uh buffer being the giant douche that he is announces hulk hogan as the king of hulk mania hulk mania not hulkamania hulk mania because you know buffer did a great job of researching the uh, product but uh hogan gets in the ring and he's uh you know he's he's doing his little shtick and you know talking about the seriousness and how bad he feels about what's going on and then all of a sudden You look up the entranceway, and who's coming down there? Fresh as a daisy, but it's the giant with the Taskmaster. Yes, the giant has risen from the dead, and he's coming back to avenge his death in this match for the world heavyweight title with Hulk Hogan. I mean, you couldn't write a better script. I mean, this is just insanity. Like, I mean, you want to talk, we we talk about as wrestling fans, we'll stretch believability for Cave Faye, but this is going. A little far with with that but uh i'm sure this is the last of the silliness for this pay-per-view tonight i i'm positive there'll be nothing more stupid that'll happen after this it's just going to have a great old fashioned uh one-on-one battle between the giant and hulk which we do to start off with i mean you know right off the get-go hogan's going for the big body slam like he did on andre he goes about uh four fingers deep on the giant i will say on on that body slam attempt, it was uncomfortable to watch, and uh, but it was a proctologist dream. Typical Hogan versus Big Man match. I gotta give it to to Paul White at this point. I mean, he's very, very green, and I mean, so he's struggling with the selling side of things. But hell, I mean, I don't think he had any matches under his belt at this point. So the fact that he's just in there and not just being a complete clod like a you know, say like a giant Gonzalez or somebody like that, he is actually doing a good job. And you can tell the guy's athletic is all ghetto, but. Uh, we get to the point of the match where it looks like the giant's in trouble. I mean, I, I, feel for him. I mean, he is recovering from death, so it's going to be tough, but, um, he, uh, is, it's, it's this point that Jimmy Hart, who's been kind of suspicious as far as his actions throughout the evening decides that it's about time that, you know what? I've, I'm tired of being the battered wife. I'm tired of the Hulkster and his, uh, incessant bad mouthing of me and, and, um, I'm tired of hiding everything behind my sunglasses. I want to show the world what Jimmy Hart's all about. And he turns on Hulk Hogan. And he uh, hits Hulk Hogan with the championship belt. The first time he does it, I think they screwed up because nobody realized it was Jimmy Hart that did it. So they actually had to do it again. And at this point, that's when Hogan realizes, oh my God, my worst dreams have come true. My best friend in the world, Jimmy Hart, has turned on me. And then not only does Jimmy Hart turn on him, but Lex Luger does too. And I mean, nobody saw this coming. They haven't been hinting around to this happening at all. Well, okay, maybe maybe we did see that coming, but it couldn't get any worse from this. So you got Hart beating on Hogan, you got the Giant beating on Hogan, and then, oh boy. And then we get the Yeti! Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the man that we got a brief glimpse of on the last episode of Nitro, which appeared to be a mummy breaking from the ice, because when I think of Yetis, I think of mummies. But in WCW's defense, I'm thinking in my head of Yetis, like Y-E-T-I. They keep pronouncing this as Yeti, as in Y-E-T-A-Y. And honestly, when with the pronunciation, it's more like y-e-t-a-a-a-a-a-a-a-y-y-y-y-y-y-y-y-y-y-y exclamation point exclamation point but anyway so maybe Yete is a type of mummy versus the yeti which is more like a -A 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 abominable snowman but anyways well we won't go there so the Yete gets in the ring and um this dude is big man like he is tall he's actually taller than the giant And I can't wait to see what he's going to do. He's going to do devastation on Hogan because he's just coming in this ring and the Giants already got a locked in a bear hug on Hulk Hogan, cracking those ribs. So what's the Yeti do? He basically, um, well, for lack of better terms, penetrates Hogan from behind. (laughs) A double uh, love hug of doom is what I'll call it as he, as he caresses the giant and uh, Hulk, H- hugs Hogan and uh, the two of them, there's a little humping involved in this. There's, um, you know, just, just it's, it's just very awkward and uncomfortable to watch. And it's, it's just disturbing, to be quite honest. It's disturbing, and it's probably the silliest and stupidest thing that I've m- ever seen in the history of professional wrestling. It's beyond belief. And um, I think even Luger realized, oh, my God, what are they doing if the giant was green then this dude playing the yeti uh was even greener and uh i think the only thing he knew what to do was to try to double up on that bear hug but it did not look good it looked like uh well it looked like what you think it would look like, it would look like two men humping a poor unfortunate smaller man in the middle but, um, so Luger, uh, kind of taps him and says, okay, guys, this is getting uncomfortable. Let's see. Maybe I'll, I'll fire them in the uh, torture rack. Maybe that'll be better. So meanwhile, while this is going on, the Yeti is walking around the ring, like a mummy, like with his hands out, like a mummy. And then he drops that and he's just kind of cheering guys on like a normal guy. And then they, they try to go back at it again. And Luger says, no, enough, enough, no more humping, no more humping. This is a hump free zone. This is uh this is going to be an X-rated show. I want to get paid on the residuals for this, so just let me throw them in the torture rack, okay guys? <laughs> so and that's kind of how we go off uh, the air with the Dungeon of Doom, the new Dungeon of Doom, uh the makeshift Dungeon of Doom standing triumphantly over top of the fallen Hogan and um the Yeti and Giant have just completely um just raped Hulk Hogan and so <laughs> there you go. Halloween havoc ninety five folks, three thumbs up. <laughs> as far as my feelings on this pay per view, it's it's typical, I guess, is what I'll say. It's it's typical for WCW. It's it's um the pay per views for w, WCW were not always that great. uh The the shows brought some excitement, the the nitros, but there seemed to be like the beginnings of these pay per views were really good, and then it just kind of petered off at the end as you got to the main events, but. Uh, yeah it, it, this this could have been you know 18 savage steamboats leading up to this match and just that ending would have whitewashed everything so uh it wouldn't have matter what they put on this 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 whole this whole situation with the yeti and the giant just really really puts a, a stain on it but uh anyways we'll leave it at that uh <laughs> we'll, we'll just try to wash that memory from our from our minds so uh in order to do so, let's, let's, you know, before we jump into our, our more wrestling, let's just talk about, uh, hopefully there's some Kansas City Chiefs fans out there that are listening to this and and maybe a few more than the, the Philadelphia Eagles, because I feel bad for those Eagles. They did lose in the Super Bowl. It was one heck of a game. Uh, I'm wondering if folks tuned in. I'm sure the ratings were fantastic for it. Um, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs on their uh, win. It was a classic. It went down to the wire. I mean, it was a betters dream if, if you were taking part on any uh bets on on the uh on the game itself so and if you did i hope you took advantage of our sponsors app uh the bet stamp app because uh the you know i used it this week and i put a, a few bets down and managed to, to make a little bit of money for myself on this weekend thanks to uh some of the tracking tools that bet stamp gives you so if you want to try the moat you want to just uh download the app uh one of the best things about uh BetStamp is they give you a line shop. And so, as you know, betting lines have different odds at each sports book. So, by using the BetStamp app, you can line shop across all sports books to ensure you find the best value available for each wager. And trust me, I made use of that this weekend. Uh, You have verified bet tracking. So, BetStamp allows you to track verified bets across all major sports books. This allows you to keep track of your different accounts and build a more credible record as a better. You also can follow winning bettors, so you're able to follow other BetStamp users to be instantly notified when they are tracking picks. Following winning users in the BetStamp pick marketplace is a great way to find new bets. And finally, if you're going to use this app, make sure you use our referral code, which is WWTT. I cannot stress enough that uh, how good this app is. It certainly has helped me out uh, in my betting journey because I am not a traditional Gambler, I'm not somebody who does it all the time, but I've certainly had a lot of fun using this app, and it's been successful for me. I, I think my winning percentage is something like sixty-seven percent or something like that, or seventy percent. It's it's something I wouldn't have been able to do on my own, so I do find it to be a great app, and I encourage you to to give it a try. Uh, it's free. You can just download it on on your uh, phone and try it out. It's a uh, bet stamp, and uh, when you're doing it, use the referral code WWTT to let them know who sent you. Bet stamp increase your chances of winning using bet stamp all right we're gonna try to recover from this Halloween havoc hangover and move on with the uh with the Monday Nitro and Monday night Raw from October 30th so Halloween themed all around so we'll start off with Nitro and it's the uh the follow-up from Halloween havoc and uh, right from the get-go the uh, the announcers Mongo and Bischoff and heenan uh, they they basically hyped up havoc, but told us absolutely nothing about the event. Really, and the only thing that we know is that they're going to have either pictures or or something from the event later on. But really, it was it was there was nothing revealed. So it was an interesting way to do it. But um, I think they realized we got to start hot after that, that hot garbage that we ended with. So what they did right off the get go is started with Eddie Guerrero versus Sergeant Craig Pittman. Okay, Pittman, maybe not my choice to start with, but Eddie, of course, is always a pleasure to watch. So Eddie is actually filling in for an injured Randy Savage, and um, this time uh, Savage was dealing with uh, an elbow injury, um, and uh, he had quite the, the nasty, I don't know if it was an infection or what it was, but uh, quite the nasty egg on his elbow that we'll, we'll see later on. But, uh, yeah, so he fills in for Savage. Uh, right at the get-go, we see a very impressive suplex throw by Eddie showing a little bit of strength to go along with his wrestling skill. Uh, I just gotta say, Pittman is 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 just terrible. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sure. I'm sorry if there's some Craig Pittman fans out there, but he is. He's terrible to watch. Eddie is amazing. Uh, Eddie gets the win quickly with a reverse roll up. Really cool finish to it. And Eddie's on a hot streak here. They're really pushing Eddie Guerrero, and, and they're preparing to to launch the cruiserweight division and the cruiserweight title. So they're it, you can tell who they want to feature. Uh, next up, we had the Shark versus Scott Norton. And uh, this is kind of a follow-up to what happened uh, back in September when uh, Norton was battling Randy Savage. This was early on in the Nitro run after uh, Norton approached Savage in the opening episode. They didn't ha- then had the match, and it was the Dungeon of Doom interfered leading into Fall Brawl, and it was Shark who cost Scott Norton the win in that match by getting knocked out and falling over onto uh, Norton's legs, leading to Savage getting an uh, impressive flying elbow. But um, this match was much better than it than it actually should have been but it was it was as jr would say a slobber knocker it was just two big badasses and i know it's hard to believe that tenta is a badass because of the shark gimmick and the earthquake stuff but this dude was a legit sumo wrestler over in japan and he was a badass in real life and of course scott norton a legit arm wrestling champion and just a total badass in real life so these two went at it for a little while i mean i gotta say scott norton is a beast i mean at one point he slammed Shark, who is over 400 pounds. I don't know what he is. I'm sure his cape weight was 468. It seemed like every big man was 468 at that point. But, uh, I mean, he picked him up and tossed him like a child in that slam. For some reason, Bobby Heenan had been missing uh, during the this match, as far as announcing. And then they flash over to uh, him wanting and donning with Sonny Ono. Uh, and uh, this is the early days of Sonny Ono. Um, and we're, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of Sonny in the uh, coming weeks and months with uh, nitro but uh this is very early on seeing sunny so uh heenan of course is uh whining wor- and dying and working out some kind of bi- business deal but in the meantime we have a double count out for these two guys these two big hosses and honestly the match was what it was it was fine it wasn't a horrible match it was just two big guys that were that were two big ma- meaty men slapping meat as we like to say so fine stuff all around we now go into an in-ring interview with the horseman the reunited horseman and it's unhinged Filman, man. That guy is great. I love him on the microphone. He's just going to become even more unhinged as we go along, but this is the early stages of unhinged Filman, It's great. Um, of course, unhinged flair as well. Just going off on the microphone, going off about sting and how, how they fooled him once again. I can't believe sting fell this fell for this once again. And then of course, iron is just magic on the mic. Although I couldn't help noticing. I, I just, Ern's uh, glasses are just huge his nose is is small it just for some some reason it just struck me as funny just the way he looked uh with those glasses those serial killer style glasses but uh in the end we got the Horsemen back together and that's what everybody wants we just can't wait to see who's going to be the fourth horseman any guesses uh we we had a uh, sabu against disco inferno and man <laughs> Uh, you know disco inferno especially these days because of his opinions on twitter and his opinions on the the keeping it 100 podcast which actually i'm a fan of that podcast i really enjoy it but uh he takes so much crap these days and everybody oh you were a job or you were this you were nothing you were never amounted to anything but the dude was in wcw at the peak of its run he obviously did something right he was doing something he can hold his own. Let's put it that way. And he got a surprising amount of offense in, in this match. I was really surprised because Sabu was his opponent. I was not expecting Sabu to give him that much offense, but he actually looked good doing it. And the other thing I I noticed is Disco's really good at selling and he's really good at getting in position for his opponent. opponent. And, um, you know, he had to do that a few times for Sabu. But uh, one thing I will say is uh, Sabu did hit the leg drop, the springboard leg drop from the outside. And this time he didn't crush a face which is always good and then of course uh, at the end he goes for the uh, infamous table spot with the uh, with Disco and Disco being the master strategist he is he manages to get out of the way and get away from that and not have to take the table spot so he stays bump free in that one uh, Sabu quite angry about this ends up taking it out on the table but in the end Sabu does get the win Disco gets away his hair still intact uh, we then go to the now best friends, I guess, of Luger and Meng. I guess it was all just collusion, even though he you know used a golden spike to almost uh, uh, slice his throat and kill him in the previous week. But I guess it was all just a magic deck, and they weren't actually going for that. But uh, Luger and Meng are in a tag team, and they're facing the American Males, who at some point lost the tag team titles back to Harlem Heat. I'm assuming that's a Saturday night thing or a main event thing. I don't know. I, I I'm not sure, and I, I didn't. I forgot to go check out why that happened. But, anyways, we do have um, uh, a tag team match between these teams. Uh, one of the lines that popped me was uh, Bobby Heenan mentioned that the American Males have a day job spraying cologne on people at department stores. The other thing that I found that I enjoyed about this match was uh, there was a heart attack variation by Luger and Meng, and it was well done. It was kind of cool looking. Where Luger got a real head of steam going into that that heart attack. And then uh, Luger wins with the back, the backbreaker. So yeah, that that's how we end that match. And then we have a little in ring get together of the dungeon of doom. The giants got the belt, but do we know? Is he the champ? I don't know. We, we, we really don't know. Like, so we're kind of confused about that. We, we had, they had shown video of, of what had happened at Halloween havoc in, in the end, but really there's no clarification. And so we don't know who's the champ, we're not hearing from Hogan. So it's a very confusing end. So yeah, this episode not exactly a great uh follow up to this pay-per-view. And really, how do you follow up that pay per view? I mean, what do you you start off with the Yete and the giant uh in the ring threatening to uh to, to threesome somebody else? I don't know. But uh yeah, it is what it is. It's it's um it's not great but uh we always have raw coming up to disappoint us even more so they'll probably still win the week so let's get into raw so here we go halloween version of monday night raw we start off with uh todd pettengill doing a preview for the show and um uh, doing his best dracula voice which really he's honestly he's impersonating the count from sesame street and i don't know maybe some people like P- todd pettengill i never did even as a kid i, I thought he was just a a douche to be quite honest but still seems insane that way to me and then we uh we go to ringside and it's uh the king and vince and they're dressed in halloween costumes the king is a is a nearsighted doctor who later on reveals he's a he's a a proctologist so interesting that he that he makes that choice knowing the king i would have fully suspected that he was going to be a gynecologist but uh he goes for a proctologist so interesting And Vince was dressed as a convict, which is rather interesting considering that he's just coming off the year before, almost going to jail during the steroid trial, and also considering what's going on these days with Vince. So uh, at some point, those prison stripes might come true. We start off with a match. uh, It's the uh, raw debut of Goldust as he takes on Savio Vega. And uh, I got to say, this was a much better match for... For uh, for Goldust and his match with Marty Jannetty at the uh, at the pay per view at in your house, but it was a bit of a strange finish. As Savio misses a spinning heel kick, and then Goldust just kicks him in the shoulder, and then just pins him. Uh, like there was no finisher, there was no devastating maneuver. It makes me wonder if maybe Savio got hurt on that miss or something like that. But it was a real abrupt ending, especially considering that this is Goldust's debut on Raw. So you think they would have wanted to showcase his finisher, get him really over with that. But I don't know. Maybe, like I say, maybe there was some type of injury in that situation. Uh, we go backstage to the Slam Jam, and man, I don't know. <laughs> it's either Pettengill or Doc uh, Doc Hendricks, better known as Michael Hayes. They're trying to be the bigger douche award. I don't know. But uh, Doc has got his face painted like a pumpkin, and he's just he's just weird, man. He's just weird. <laughs> And um, once again, they do the whole, like, Doc's in the middle of something. There's something crazy going on in the arena. Oh, my God, we got to get back to it. And Doc's like, what, what what's going on, Vince? And it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. It's just foolishness once again. Uh, we get into a Karate Fighters ad. Normally, I don't cover the ads in this, but this is an interesting one because it's uh, Horowitz and Hakushi doing a, a, doing a battle in this, this new uh, game that they have uh karate fighters which is just basically a takeoff of rock'em sock'em robots but uh i don't wonder i wonder how karate fighters actually ended up doing as far as sales and and how things went for them (laughs) but uh the best part about this and when i say best i really mean worse is that we get Pettingill once again as he does a ridiculous howard cosell impersonation and for all you kids out there that are not familiar with howard cosell go look him up he's pretty famous you should know who he is but uh yeah. A lot of people back in my day would impersonate Howard Crossell and this wasn't the best. Okay. So now we go back to the ring. We've got and Gennetti, Marty Gennetti, old MJ back in the ring. Uh, and his opponent is the aforementioned from a previous episode, Johnny Swinger. And this time he gets his name used. It's not Johnny Swinger. He goes by his real name, Joe. Uh, I forget what it is, but it's Joe something, Joe Doring or something like that. But, uh, anyways he uh nothing of note in this match is a squash match but uh i guess the only thing that really was of note was um the king uh jerry lawler ends up basically calling alundra blaze a horse face during this match as he compares her to uh the uh i think it was the the belmont stakes winning uh horse cigar that uh, won that race uh previously uh, that week maybe it was and um He just basically notices some similarities to the look of Alundra and uh, this horse. So in other words, he's calling her a horse face and I'm just shocked by this. I know, I know that there's no class uh, in regards to Vince and women and stuff like that, but he really seems to have a, you know, for Alundra somehow. And he's using Jerry as his uh, microphone for this. So just strange. Uh, I will give a shout out to uh, my opponent on the 16th for this or that. Andy, the tax man. So he, um he reached out to me and mentioned that. Cause I mentioned in the last episode with Jay that we weren't sure why that, where this has come from. It seemed like they were really being hard on Alundra's looks, but he thought the reason was um, that Alundra was, was getting punked out by, uh, by Jerry Lawler was due to the fact that she took some time off uh, previously to get a nose job, which messed up her run or whatever plans they had in the women's division. And so, they're taking it out on her for doing that, which is whatever. I mean, I just it's so immature, it's so ridiculous. uh nothing good comes of that. And uh I'm just, you know, amazed that they they would go this low. But anyways, rapid MJ gets the win over uh Johnny Swinger, but big things to come for Mr. Swinger later on. And then we go to an in-ring with Vince McMahon, uh, Jim Cornette, Davy Boy Smith, and uh Clarence Mason, uh the uh gimmick lawyer for uh Jim Cornette. And they're talking about uh, the travesty of justice that happened at In Your House. The fact that Davy Boy Smith has been robbed of the championship. He uh, he didn't lose the match against Diesel. Bret Hart is supposed to face the winner in the latest In Your House. And it should be Davy Boy Smith that he's facing. All good points brought up by the, the heels here. <laughs> to be quite honest, it makes sense that they're saying this. Um, you really can't argue with it. Of course, Vince will because, you know. He doesn't care if it makes sense in the storyline, but Clarence promises to do some work uh, on this. They also talk about the fact that Davy Boy Smith is going to be uh, battling Marty Jannetty, the uh, the the victor in the previous match. Uh, come next week on Raw, which should be a barn burner of a match. So Marty comes in and uh, ends up jumping uh, Davy Boy Smith, lands a nice little drop kick on Davy. They have a little pull of him apart and save it for next week, type of deal. But uh, yeah, I always love when the when the heels make excellent points and really there's no argument for for the faces in that situation it's really great writing in that point <laughs> we then go to another squash match it's the smoking guns versus a couple of jobbers and that's all i can say about that i mean uh i guess the highlight of this this match was uh i don't know billy gun's hair it still looks good you know no no uh mullet at this point but uh yeah, two two jobber matches to, to start off things, so not, not a great uh, response by Raw. And then finally, because uh, this is what's going to save the show, we have uh, the Intercontinental title match between Razor Ramon and Owen Hart, as you remember in the previous episode of Raw. Owen wins that match, um, the battle royal that they had for the, uh, the title shot, so he gets to face Razor, and it was actually an excellent match. I mean, you got two fantastic workers, Smooth as silk, uh, working well together. Uh, Razor just looks like a billion dollars. The guy is all over TV. It's, as we said before, it's either Razor or Davy Boy, who seems to be the MVP of Raw these days. And uh, Owen, of course, can work with anybody. Uh, the end of the match comes when Yokozuna jumps in, causes a DQ, and uh, leads to uh, basically a, a little beatdown of Razor. And who comes to his rescue? But none other than newcomer to the WWF Ahmed Johnson and uh Ahmed makes a splash because he comes in uh waits for Yoko to turn around and he body slams Yokozuna and we're talking 600 and something pound Yokozuna he didn't quite get him up all the way but it was cool enough looking that it made a pretty big impact and I mean if you remember back in uh, two years ago it was a big deal for Lex Luger to slam Yokozuna on uh, on a you know, a navy destroyer to the point that we had parades and we had the Lex Express and he was America's hero. So this is and that was Yoko who was about five five twenty at that point. Yoko's about a hundred pounds heavier at this point. So it was an impressive feat to say the least. And it took a guy, a relative unknown, and basically turned him into a star right off the get-go, leading into Survivor series, where he's going to be on the tag team with uh with Shawn Michaels and um I believe it's um uh, I'm trying to remember the team, but it's, it's the wild card match and it's Sean and, and I think Sid and possibly Davey boy, I think is the, is the tag team where they're just all kind of jumbled together, but everybody's wondering who's this unknown. ah oh, man, what's he going to add to the team? Well, this is how you get a guy over. You do something cool like that. All it took is he didn't have to do a 10 minute soliloquy in the ring. He didn't have to do 14 hurricananas. He just slams a really big, heavy guy and the fans pop for it. So uh kind of a cool way to end so i think that match and that ending kind of salvaged Raw. i would i don't know i'm i maybe i'm gonna give the win to raw this week uh you could whatever i mean neither show was great i mean nobody's really kicking on high cylinders as far as anything this week and i mean i think after the halloween havoc just it's a little bit of a bad taste in the for wcw at this point but yeah so we'll give we'll give the win to raw this week on this one because they really have been on a pretty bad losing streak lately and so gets a little bit of intrigue going for for survivor series and what we're going to see from ahmed all right folks so that wraps up this episode i know it went a little bit long but uh i'm trying to and i'm sorry if i rambled on uh throughout the episode but uh you know i didn't have my buddy to play off of here so i'm just trying to trying to make sure it's entertaining at least. So uh hopefully you're enjoying these episodes and this look back. If you have any uh, comments you want to give us on what you're hearing or maybe suggestions, or if you think we're going a little bit too deep in the weeds with this, or maybe we should be skipping through some things, let us know. Contact us either on uh, Twitter at uh, WWTT pod or on Facebook at wrestling with the truth or Instagram at uh, WWTT pod and let us know get leave a comment and and tell us uh, how you're enjoying things if you if you're enjoying this walk back through memory lane um and also make sure you're checking out our uh our youtube channel we still go by wrestling with the truth over on youtube uh because it's just more of a random channel as far as our focus for wrestling and we're doing a bit more modern stuff on there talking about the modern product as we said we just had a live stream with with kyle and rn from uh, smack Drop podcast so go on over there, um, support us over there, become a subscriber. We're, we're, we're heading towards that mountaintop of 200 subscribers looking to get to that 500 marks. So we can get a community page going, but, uh, yeah, check us out over on, on, uh, YouTube and, uh, continue to, uh, to tell your friends about wrestling with the war, especially those old school fans who, uh, who enjoyed the attitude era and want to relive it once again and feel free to leave a five-star review on, uh, any of your, uh, your providers, especially Apple, because we'll read them out on the air and we really appreciate those that that we receive from everybody. So I think that wraps it up for this episode and and I'll say a hearty uh, goodbye for both myself and Jay Myers and I'll say that we're running out of time. Tape machines are rolling. We'll catch you next week.